Good morning. How's it going? My name is Katie, as Stephen said. Um, I am a pastor and church planter here in town. And my husband Chuck and I have the joy of partnering with you all, of being one of your church planting residents um, as you come alongside us as we're planting Nova Church in the Cap Hill neighborhood. And I'm excited to be here this morning. We do gather with a sense of anticipation. God is with us. God is here. God is moving and God is speaking. So as we lean in to listen well, let's pray. Loving God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you have something to say to us today. And so we pray right now together, we pray that you would help us to listen, that you would help us to hear, that you would help us to receive, that by your spirit we might be transformed by you. We ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. What do you want? What do you want? Jesus asked this question in the Gospel of John, one of the accounts of Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection. There's, there's two disciples, two soon-to-be disciples of Jesus. They see Jesus walking by, so they start following him. Jesus recognizes that he's being followed, and so Jesus turns around and he says to these two guys, what do you want? It's a great question. What are you after? What are you seeking? It's a question of desire of longing, of of yearning. And so I want you to think this morning, if Jesus is asking that question of you, how would you respond? What do you want? What do you want this morning? Maybe another cup of coffee? Can I get an amen? Breakfast burrito would be nice. Thanks for asking. Okay, what else? What do you desire? A vacation? Maybe you would settle for a nap? Take a nap? What do you want? We're all longing for something. We all carry desires in our hearts. Some of us, it's a longing for connection. We want friends, community, a relationship, a partner. Maybe it's a longing for a partner who's more present, who's more engaged. Maybe it's a longing for more time with your kids or, or a longing for less time with your kids. Some of us here are longing for relief from pain. The ability to just walk to the end of the block, the end of the street, without feeling like you're going to pay for it later. Some of us are longing just for the ability to sleep again, to sleep through the night. Some of us are longing to become a parent, to get pregnant, to have a baby. Some of us are longing for security, for meaning, for significance, for a job uh, that, that satisfies, for a job that pays better, for any job at all. Some of us are longing for breakthrough, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, longing for more peace, for more of God's provision, to hear God's voice better, for more of God. What do you want? What are you longing for? The verse in Proverbs that we're going to study together this morning, it recognizes the desires, the longings that we all have, that we all carry. Our verse today, Proverbs thirteen twelve, is about longing. But here's the kicker. In part, it's about when we don't get what we want. When our desires are unmet. When our longings are unfulfilled. If you want to turn with me to Proverbs 13, verse 12. I'm going to read this verse. If you want to open your Bible or pull it up on your phone. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hear God's word. 
Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes a heart sick. I have a two-year-old. Let's call him Sam, because that's his name. Uh, and Sam, I want you to think about, you know, when he doesn't get what he wants. When a two-year-old doesn't get what they want, how do you think they respond? Really well really mature, really emotionally stable. No, I'm just kidding. He screams, he, he throws a fit, he cries, he throws things, right? He has a, a meltdown. The other day, Sam wanted something, I think it was a cookie, that sounds about right, and I said, no, and he lost it. Total breakdown. And at first, I was annoyed. I was annoyed by this breakdown. But then, this wave of empathy came over me because I realized, when I don't get what I want, I am Sam. Maybe not externally kicking and screaming, sometimes, but definitely internally. How do you respond to longing? Friends, we're turning to God's holy word. We're turning to the God of all wisdom, and we're asking this really simple question this morning. How do I live well with longing? How do I live well with longing? Before we jump into Proverbs 13, 12, I want to explore just for a moment some other approaches to living with longing, some approaches that we see around us. How do we live with longing? Well, approach number one would say to live with longing, here's how you do it. Don't. <laughs> Don't want for anything. Just sort of shut your heart down. Don't desire. Don't ask for anything. Years ago, my younger sister lived in Las Vegas, and I went out one week to visit her. And pretty much right after I landed, we were headed towards uh, the strip, uh, strip, and I saw this, this billboard for an upcoming concert. And it was for the band Lincoln Park. Now, my sister and I, we love this band. Uh, we were really into them. And, and my friend Joe, his brother, was in the band. So immediately I thought, I should text Joe for tickets. I should see if he can get his tickets. But then I thought, well, I don't want to be that friend. I'm sure Joe gets all kinds of requests, and what if he says no? I think buried under there was like, I don't want to be disappointed, I don't want to be rejected, so I just didn't ask. And the week went on, we got closer to the concert, and then I thought, okay, this is silly, I should ask Joe for tickets. So I texted him, he responded, he got us these amazing tickets to the show, but here's the thing, I waited so long to ask that my sister couldn't get off work. And so I sat in the concert with this empty seat next to me, right near the stage. Oh, and it was my sister's birthday. Yikes. I think there's an approach around us sometimes to dealing with desire, dealing with longing, and it's, it's just don't. Don't want for anything. Don't put yourself out there. Don't risk disappointment. It's a sort of shut-your-heart-down approach. And this can have an alleged Christian veneer around it as if all desire is inherently bad or wrong, I shall not want becomes this sort of blanket statement, shutting down the desires of our hearts. Or this approach can just have a self-protection vibe to it. Don't set yourself up to be let down. Because to long for anything, it does put your heart on the line. It does put your heart out there. It's inherently vulnerable, isn't it? 
to hope for anything, to want for anything. I feel this all the time as we're planting this new church, as we have this dream and this vision for this church in Capitol Hill. I feel this all the time. This is vulnerable, to want for anything. I heard recently the story of an Olympic hopeful in wrestling. In high school, this young man had this incredible record, 159 wins, zero losses, And he took two years away from NCAA wrestling to train for the Olympics. And earlier this year, he qualified to compete in the Olympic trials, the the final step before realizing his dream of becoming an Olympic athlete. But then just one day before the Olympic trials, he tested positive for COVID. He's out. He could not compete. Two years of dedicated training, a lifetime of commitment, of pursuit, right on the threshold of his dream. And it stopped in its tracks. Can you imagine his disappointment? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I think there's another approach we see out there of of how to deal with longing. If it's not shut your heart down, it's go after it. Satisfy your every desire, preferably immediately. Whatever you want, go for it. I think this is the formation process of Amazon, or the deformation process, if you will. I think of something I want. Maybe it's a book that was just recommended to me. Maybe it's the desire for simple meal cookies. And so I grab my phone, I pull up my app, I search for it, I click it. Two days later, or less, it's mine. Heaven forbid it's not available for Prime. Heaven forbid it's out of stock. You want it? Get it. You want it? Must be right. Must be your right to do it, to have it. Let desire lead the way. But the wisdom of God points us to the danger of this approach. It's a path of of removing God from the equation. Desire becomes king, not God. It's a path marked by idolatry, good things becoming ultimate things. So if it's not approach number one, shut down your heart. And if it's not approach number two, run recklessly after your every desire, then what is it? Well, Jesus seems to be calling us to another way. That's very Jesus of him. (laughs) Calling us to this other way of living. This living, this way of living marked by wisdom. Because Jesus seems to be calling us to pay attention to our desires And to bring our desires into his presence. To bring our longings, our hopes, our aches, our dreams into the light of his love and goodness. We see that in the way that he asks questions of people. He asks questions all the time. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? What are you seeking? Do you want to get well? The Christian faith is not about shutting down our hearts, far from it. But it's also not about being ruled by our desire. So this morning we ask, how do I keep my heart alive? How do I keep my heart alive to my longings in the presence of God? To walk with God in this posture of surrender, listening to what God is saying to me in the midst of my hopes, in the midst of my longings, in the midst of my desires. How do I keep my heart alive? to my longings, in the presence of God. So two ideas for us today. I'm going to call them holy habits of longing. 
two holy habits of longing. Holy habit number one, grief. Grief. To live with longing requires us to grieve when we face loss, when we face disappointment, when we face hope deferred, hope delayed. To keep our hearts alive to our longings in the presence of God requires us to be honest and to grieve the disappointment. In part, I think Proverbs 13.12 is giving us permission to simply say, it hurts. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's a grief there, so acknowledge it. My heart is sick. Now, I'm not talking about the disappointment of your favorite team losing again, although that does tend to make my heart sick. No, I'm talking about the desire for community and finding instead the pain of loneliness. I'm talking about the desire for family and facing the pain of infertility. The desire for a secure paycheck and the pain of resume after resume being sent out and still no takers. I'm talking about 16 months, over 16 months of global pandemic with over 4 million deaths worldwide. 4 million. I'm talking about a year plus of unrelenting disappointment, lives lost health lost, jobs lost, homes lost, lost memories, lost time with loved ones, in such a disorienting year, revealing so much injustice in our own country and in our world, a year full of anxiety and, and mental anguish, can we just name the grief? Can we just say my heart is sick? I went to a concert recently, and it was amazing to actually be in a concert with hundreds of people. And the artist there, she was going into like a, a motivational uh, speech. It was an amazing concert, and she was like feeling it, and she was getting into it as she's talking to the crowd of people at Red Rocks, and she said, positivity, she's like, always wins out over negativity. And as soon as she said it, I was like, really? Does it? Is that our goal, just just to be positive? Is that our game plan to get through life? Just be positive? Hope deferred makes the heart not that bad. I'm doing okay. I'm fine. Is that our approach in the midst of hope deferred? Just spin it in a positive way? Well, at least you have a job. Well, at least you have a baby. Well, at least you had 25 years together. The other day I was walking home from the park and this woman was walking towards me and she had a t-shirt on that said, no bad days. And again, I thought, what? <laughs> like, read the room. <laughs> We've had a lot of bad days. Now, I'm a, I'm a really positive person. By, by nature, by wiring, by, by temperament, one of my top strengths and strength finders, if you're familiar with that, is, is positivity. And a lot of negative talk, it actually it, it drains me after a while. But perhaps some of the wisdom of Proverbs 13, verse 12, is this merciful permission to grieve, to be honest about the pain of wanting but not having, the grief for longing for what is not yet here, and the hardship of disappointment. Maybe there's wisdom in not rushing past it, and not avoiding it, and not numbing it, medicating it, holy habit of longing is to grieve. Now we're going to get to holy habit too, but before we get there, I want to do a brief interlude. So let's talk about the now 
and not yet. As Christians, we find ourselves in a place of longing because we live in what's been called the now, but not yet. Christ has achieved victory over sin, death, and evil through his death on the cross and in his resurrection. Christ has died. Christ is risen, but we're waiting. We're waiting for Christ to come Again, we're longing for the day when Christ returns, when Christ makes all things new. We're longing for a future day of restoration. The victory of Christ, it's here. We experience it now, but it's not yet fully here. The loving reign of God, what's called the the kingdom of God, it's here, but it's not yet fully here. And how do we wrap our minds around this? How do we understand this? Well, here's how I've heard it explained Last month, we commemorated Juneteenth, the holiday celebrating when slaves in Texas finally heard the good news that they were free. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation issued by President Abraham Lincoln became official January 1st, 1863. But the Civil War continued for two more years. And then there was even more of a delay, and it was not until June 19, 1865, when Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, that the slaves in Texas finally heard the good news that they're free. Some two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. And even at that point, there were still slaves in some Union states. The struggle for freedom, for justice, for equality continued continues. A victory was achieved, but it was not yet realized. In a like manner, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christ has unleashed new creation. It's a new day of salvation, of of rescue, God with us, but we're still longing for a future day, for the full reality of God's new creation to invade this earth, all things made new. In college, I was a part of a campus ministry, and I remember in our weekly gatherings, we would sometimes sing the song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, by the band U2. And I remember there's a little bit of controversy within our community that we were singing this song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, because some of us were like, well, well, well haven't we? <laughs> you know, Jesus? But I think this song, I think it, it highlights this, this now, not yet I think that seems appropriate for this place of of longing that we find ourselves. We know joy in Christ, but we're awaiting a day when the fullness of joy will be here. We know peace in Christ here and now. We experience it, but we're awaiting a future day. We're awaiting a future day when, when the peace of Christ is fully here and fills this earth. We know freedom in Christ. We experience chains broken. We know freedom in Christ here and now, but we're awaiting a a future day when the fullness of freedom is here, when creation itself is released from its bondage to decay. And so I thought about singing this song for you, and then I remembered the internet. (laughs) And I want you to watch this clip. I want you to hear these words of, of longing. There's some strong 80s vibes in that, in that clip. How do we live well with longing as we live in this now, not, not yet reality? Holy habit number one, grieve. Be honest about the pain of disappointment. And then holy habit number two, we'll wrap up with this. Holy habit of longing, tether yourself 
to God. Tether yourself to God. To keep our hearts alive, alive to our longing in the presence of God requires hope. But I don't think it's hope in any particular outcome. Years ago, I lived in, in California, and there was a family in my faith community, and they were trying to buy a home, and it was hard, and they were struggling. And people in our faith community told them, like, don't worry, God's going to get you a house. God's going to do this. God's going to provide. And I, I was like, really? Like, is God giving houses away? Because I would really like one. <laughs> Tether yourself to God, it requires hope. But I don't think it's hope in any particular outcome. It's hope in the goodness of God. Hope in the goodness of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 27, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What a bold thing to say. What a courageous thing to say. I remain confident of this. I have this tenacious grip on God's word. I have this tenacious grip on God himself. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When hope feels deferred, delayed, Scripture keeps pointing us to Jesus. Because in the Christian faith, hope is actually a person. Scholar N.T. Wright, he's speaking of what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done, and he says this, Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. That first Easter morning, Jesus walks out of the tomb, everything changes. That first Easter morning, Jesus walks out of the tomb, new creation has begun. Jesus, the first to be raised from the dead, the guarantee that all those who are in Christ will walk out of the tomb, will walk out of the grave. We will be resurrected like him. Hope is a person. So to tether myself to God is to recognize that the risen Jesus holds my life. And if Jesus holds my life, then Jesus can hold my longings. If Jesus holds my life, then Jesus can hold my desires. If Jesus holds my life, then Jesus can hold my hopes, my aches, my dreams, even when they're deferred, even when they're delayed. Hope is a person. Which means we bring our longings before the Lord, our hope and our grief. We bring it all. Jesus can hold it all. The ache, the pain of hope deferred, the longings, the hopes in God, we can bring it all to the Lord. Jesus can hold it all. And that's hard because our go-to move is to numb the pain. We all have our strategies. We all have our, our go-to methods, be it uh, drinking, Netflix, food, whatever it is that we try to shut down desires and pain. The scripture keeps pointing us to this God who sees us, who knows us, who's with us, and who can hold it all so we can stay awake both to our grief and to our hope. To tether ourselves to God is to say, God, you can hold it all. Holy habit of longing number two, tether yourself to God. What does that look like? A few quick ideas. I think it can involve many things. I'll just give you a few. I think it involves beauty. I remember after a particularly devastating disappointment in my life, we were, my husband and I we were living in Colorado Springs, and I said, I just need to see beauty. So we drove up to Denver and we went to the Botanic Gardens. There's something about being surrounded by beauty that attaches my heart to God. I think it involves community. I was meeting with my counselor this week and we were talking about some of the disappointments, the hope deferred in my life. I love when counseling appointments line up with preaching assignments. That's always very convenient. And she said, 
yeah, it's, it's grieving, but don't do it alone. It's horrific to grieve by yourself. To tether yourself to God is also to tether yourself to God's people. This habit, this rhythm of gathering on Sundays, it's part of what it means to tether yourself to God. It certainly in, involves scripture. Maybe there's a verse that you put in front of you, you just stick it in front of you, put it on your mirror, put it wherever you're going to see it. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And in all of this, and all these practices that we take up, all these ways we try to tether ourselves to God, here's the good news. God and Jesus has already tethered himself to you. Whatever sort of grip you feel like you have on God, however secure you're trying to make it, may you know this this morning, God's grip on you is secure, is forever, is eternal. And so we can show up in the hard places where hope just feels deferred again and again and again. Keep looking to Jesus. A longing fulfilled as a tree of life. In the end, Fast forward, Revelation 22, what do we find there? A tree of life. All things made new. We live in this now and not yet. You feel it, I feel it, we know it. But these holy habits of longing to grieve, to be honest, to tether ourselves to God allows us to stay awake, alert, alive to the things that God is doing in us, the desires and dreams he's put in us. Awake, alive, his presence. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you that you see us, that you know us, that you're with us. I pray for each person here online. I pray, holy God, that you continue to show us what you're doing. This, this word that you had for us today, would you show us how to respond to your goodness and your kindness? In Jesus' name, amen.